Good morning. We're going to wait just a few minutes before more people get on. Uh, I thought I would play a song that uh, when we had a, a church fellowship in a, in a nice building, we had a, uh, I call her a psalmstress, our worship leader that wrote a lot of songs. And one time I was teaching on how uh, the fire in the book of Revelation is something we run to. We don't run away from it. And so she took that and she wrote a song uh, titled God is a Fire. So we're going to play that for you real quick and let you listen to it while people are starting to come on. We lost it. Stop it. Well, I was going to play it real quick, but my Bluetooth went off. So let me reconnect it real fast and then we'll... We'll play it. So I'm going to wait for people to come on. So just hang on. Well, that was a good idea, but for some reason, when I brought my speaker in here, it lost Bluetooth, so we won't play that. But it was a good song. It talked about how God is a fire, and, and the Word of God burns all the dross away and everything. And that's what we're doing in our teachings, is we're, we're teaching the living Word instead of just the written Word. And uh, we, we know, without a shadow of a doubt, that when we receive the living Word, and we receive that with meekness, and it's engrafted into our conscious awareness, it will it'll rescue us from everything that's been hindering us. And so I appreciate all of you that's on here today, and those that are coming on, those will be watching with us today, and also uh, during the week and later on. I'll be uploading these to YouTube later on. I'm kind of behind on that, so <clears throat> I need to catch up and get the rest of our videos on YouTube. But we are glad you're here today. I know there's a lot going on in the world that's uh, causing a lot of struggles, a lot of concerns. Um, there's a lot of people that are fearing, and I don't think we have to fear. And so I just want to encourage everybody to, to be encouraged, to allow yourself to be encouraged and realize that uh, we are who God says we are, and we have what God says we have. And we can be in this world, but not necessarily of this world. You know, what, what that means to me is I'm not depending on the systems of this earth and trying my best to wean myself from that. But there's a source within inside of us that is our Father. And so we know that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. It belongs to us right now. And we are learning how to. But today I'm going to talk basically about how to conform to that. <clears throat> we started last week teaching on Matthew. And Matthew represents the will of man. And we know there's a lot of people. You'll, you'll hear people say, well, uh, that person has a strong will. Uh, I don't want a strong will. I want my will to be strong in the Lord and in his power and in his, and his might and who we are. So we're talking about that, about the, the conforming uh, to the mind of God or the divine mind. And so if you've been studying with me very long, I'm using a lot of names in the Old Testament 
<clears throat> I'm going through chronicles, through the genealogies, looking up different names to help me to explain these different situations. And there's a name that's very familiar to most Bible scholars and students of the Word, and his name is Abimelech. I've, I've heard him taught many times in my life, and I've also taught on Abimelech myself. But in the Hebrew, Abimelech means father of the king. And then also, M-E-L-E-K, Melech, is father and a royal father. So he was a king of a place called Gerar, G-E-R-A-R, in the time of Abraham, in the time of Isaac. And you can read that story in Genesis, Genesis 22 through 18. But Abimelech was the name of a line of Philistines. And if you remember, <clears throat> the word Philistine means dust dwellers. They picture people who live carnally mindful, like Paul said, to be carnally mindful is death. And the word death in the Bible really means a, a false separation from Father God. They're living out of the sense realm rather than living out of their spirit or their holy breath. And so he was a son of Gideon and or Jerubbabel by his concubine, uh, and you can read that again in Judges 8, 31 and 9, 1. So this Abimelech, he killed all of his brothers except for one who escaped and made himself a, a ruler after his father's death. And there was another Abimelech who served as a priest in the time of David. So a lot of times you'll see people with names and you'll see two or three of them and it kind of gets confusing to people. But it's just like today, there are lots of people by the name of Roy, but there's only one me. So, and everybody can probably say amen to that. But the spiritual symbolism of his name, the name of Abimelech, is also pictured in what we would call the unregenerate will. The unregenerate will. Most people today, not everyone, but most people today in the earth are functioning out of unregenerate will. But we're going to see later on where some people, uh, about half the time they're into spiritual things and the other half the time they're into carnal things. And the truth is it's probably like 10% into spiritual things and 90% into carnal things. And so that's an unregenerate will. <clears throat> Most of the Bible characters with this name, uh, uh, really it places a big emphasis on that. So the priest Abimelech, uh, Abimelech the priest in David's day, is an exception. In his case, he was involved in spiritual rulership, and it's seen, at least in its higher form of intellectual rulership, that the unregenerate will will not see or will not bow down to, or will not yield to, I should say. So David's priest, Abimelech, stands for the intellectual thought or the will or the tendency to accept and to acknowledge the divine mind, to realize that our divine mind, which is Father, is the superior ruler in mankind's consciousness. And the only thing that we really need in our life is to learn how to yield to the divine mind. And that's why Paul, and I'm going to talk about it more, but Paul said after he explained the condition of man before the foundation of the world, he in Romans, he explained what Jesus did, how he freed us from the Mosaic law, how he freed us from the only sin there is, which is a mistaken identity, I was talking to a minister yesterday, and he said, well, the Bible says God hates sin. And I said, yes, I don't think there's hate, so I think that's the wrong word. But God very much does not like that man has a mistaken identity. And so he freed us from that. And so he, we've got to understand that that's important for us to follow. And this priest here uh, literally sought to allow Father God to be his supreme ruler in all of his thoughts. 
And I have mentioned before that Father speaks to us in our thoughts. You know, a lot of people say, well, the voice within or that still small voice or whatever they, but that's Father talking to us and we need to listen. And so next we find a man named Abinadab, A-B-I-N-A-D-A-B. And he's spoken of in 1 Samuel 7 and 1 and 2 Samuel 6, 3 through 4. If I took time to read all these stories to you, we'd never get anything done. So I encourage you to go ahead and do your Bible study yourself and read these things. So 1 Samuel 7, 1 and 2 Samuel 6, 3 through 4. So Abinadab was a son of Saul. So, and he represents a phase of the physical will in control of the body. The physical will in the control of the body. You know the story of Saul. Saul was a very tall man, a very large man. He was head and shoulders above everyone else. And he was a mighty man and all kinds of stuff like that. And that's why the people wanted him and bowed down to him. But he was not a wise man. And that's what we need. We need wise people to rule and reign over the systems of this earth. And so Abinadab and his brothers met death in the battle in the hands of the Philistines. <clears throat> and their father, Saul, died by his own hand in that same battle <clears throat> to avoid being captured. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so this incident symbolizes the, the uh, dissolution of the whole body, if you would, the whole organism or body. And the result of that comes from not hearing father with intelligence. And again, the word obey means to listen with intelligence. And then I always say and repeat what was said. So that is the law of our being. <clears throat> Hearing Father, listening to Father, it's a spiritual law. It's the spirit of law, uh, the, the spiritual law that Paul talked about and what Jesus exemplified in his life. So in my studies <clears throat> last night, I was reminded of a Persian conqueror by the name of Cyrus the Great. He lived in the CAE 590 to CAE 529 uh, before Jesus. He's also known as Cyrus II. He was born of royalty, so he had wealth, much like the leader of our country right now. He's, he's got wealth. But this man, was a, uh, this man was a barbarian, a barbarian according to history. I don't call him a barbarian because I don't think we should call anybody by what they have done in the past or what they do, because that's not who they really are. But in as far as the church is concerned, I wouldn't think they would think he'd be qualified to, buy, use, to be used by Father God. And there's a lot of people today that come into fellowships, and they want to serve, and they want to do things, but because of their past, or because of things that they're doing, the church disqualifies them. They can come, but they can't serve. And that has really projected into the world and we look at people like our president, and there's no end to the things that people have said about him, about his past and everything else. So it's always amazed me that Father would use Cyrus and not someone who was a great believer, not a prophet, not somebody like David, to come and free them, but he did. So people wonder how our president, which is still our president, could be used of our Father to liberate the people in the United States of America from the bondage of the corrupt government, and there is a corrupt government. There are people who judge him for his past. They think he's a fool. They think he's a baboon. They think he's an old white man, a womanizer. I've heard all of that, and many other words they use to discredit and disdain him. Now, I'm not here to teach about President Trump. I'm just using some 
uh, truths that we can, physical pictures that really show what Cyrus did and who we are and how Father can use anyone. There's not a person on planet Earth that Father cannot use. So Cyrus was considered a barbarian, but he was used to liberate the children of Israel from their Babylonian captivity. And what does Babylon stand for? Confusion. Confusion. And Kay, I liked what Kay calls a lot of stuff. It's just a bunch of Babylonian baloney that's been, that people say sometimes and do. So again, you would think Father would have used somebody else who was perfect, who was without sin, who wasn't a fool, and did not speak, that, that spoke like a leader and not like other people do. But he chose Cyrus. He chose Cyrus. So I've heard many Christians and non-Christians speak horrible things about our president, and I think, how can they cast stones against them? Do they not know? And this is scripture here. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things and the people of the world to confound the people who think they are mighty. And the lowliest of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And I think many times people miss out on so much and ministers and leaders and people that have been put in position by Father because they don't think they qualify and literally they're judging them. And they don't really realize what Jesus said, he who has no mark missing, let them cast the first stone. And when that happened, when the Pharisees wanted to stone a woman supposedly caught in the act of adultery, that's what he said to them. So King Cyrus <clears throat> represents the will as ruling in sin consciousness or the ruling idea in consciousness, which was stirred up by the Lord. And he made a proclamation to the fact that he had been divinely appointed to build a house for the Lord at Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? A barbarian king that did not worship God, did not follow uh, any uh, religious rules whatsoever, but he said God spoke to him to build up the house to restore Jerusalem. And you can find that in Ezra 1, 1 through 2. Later on, I'll give you a res, uh, reference to Jeremiah, where Jeremiah prophesied that way before Cyrus was even born. So Cyrus was considered a heathen king, yet the Lord stirred him up. Can Father use you? If Father can use you, then Father can use anybody. And he does. He restored what? Huh? What did he restore? He was stirred up to restore no. Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. He, sent it, he allowed the children of Israel to go back and to rebuild the temple. And you can read that story also in Nehemiah where they did that. So Father stirred him up and inspired him, which would be kind of like rays of the sun. A great light shined in his conscious awareness. He, he heard thoughts and he recognized, readily recognized that it was Father that was speaking to him. So <clears throat> he was acting quite contrary to his usual, usual custom. And he was doing things that was contrary to his usual way, usual way of doing things. And so by this, we discern that the Lord inspires men who are open to truth. And I happen to believe that everybody in one measure or another is open to truth. And when truth comes, it begins to vibrate inside of them. And it begins to reverberate to them. I talked to a lady yesterday that I was amazed uh, we talked for probably 30, 40 minutes that grew up in a, a particular denominational church that would be very much anti everything I'm teaching. 
and she was telling me how she thinks her pastor is trying to share these things, but I could tell she could hear. She had a lot of whatabouts, but I could literally tell that there was a, their father was stirring her to hear the truth, and that's why there needs to be a lot of people that are able to handle the truthful word and, and hold it out, because there are people who are hungry. It's not my job to make you understand. It's my job to hold it out. Father will stir you up inside to desire and to understand. So if you have been stirred up by the Lord, you literally can commence immediately in the movement toward Jerusalem, which is the spiritual center of our consciousness. We need the spiritual center, to, uh, center of our consciousness to be restored. We need everything that's not of God to be burned away by the fire of God's word. And that's that song I wanted to play for you. So there are periods, <coughs> periods when the thoughts turn to religious subjects and, and they begin to spark like fire and in everybody's life and they begin to think about things. Sometimes they'll put it aside, but there's not a person alive that hasn't had that experience in their life. Sometimes they begin to think about spiritual things and begin to wonder. That person secluded uh, and since suddenly begins to study matters pertaining to the soul. Sometimes they join a church. Sometimes they investigate different religions. Sometimes they go out and seek other sources, but they're looking for something because within inside of their true being, there's this desire to come out. There's this desire to, to uh, have fellowship with their, their creator. And they may not even be consciously aware of that. And that's why I say a lot of times when we, we think we're wanting something and no matter what we get, it doesn't satisfy us because you're really desiring something spiritual instead of something carnal or something physical. And so you sometimes then, that type of person comes forth from the city, as stated by Paul in Hebrews. And now you return and you take all the vessels of silver, the vessels of gold, with goods and the beasts and the precious things. And that's in Ezra 1, 6. That's when they went back to rebuild Jerusalem and they got all those vessels that had been taken away from them. Cyrus restored them to them. So that represents the fruit of your experience and your sense consciousness. You began to seek vessels of gold. Gold is the divine nature. Vessels of silver. Silver is redemption. Hey, Judy. <clears throat> so we learn that no effort is wholly lost, completely lost though it is put forth in a, in a field that apparently seems barren. And sometimes when you really begin to study and you really begin to seek truth, there's a little struggle there for a while because it's totally contrary to what you've believed all your life. And you think, how can this be true? This lady I talked to yesterday and another man that I talked to yesterday, they both said, well, do I need to throw away my Bible? Are you telling me the whole King James Bible is wrong? And I say, no, the, the real words behind it are not wrong, but the English words, the majority of them are wrong. They've been twisted around, they've been mistranslated, and you have uh, God's divine word inside of you, you have a spiritual eye inside of you. If you yield and conform like I'm gonna be talking to you today about, then literally I believe there's not a person in the world that cannot look through the written word and see the living word, because it's for everyone. It's not just for a few. So we learn, we learn here that the vessels that were taken from the temple of Jerusalem at the time that, of captivity, which that's when the children of Israel were captured by the Babylonian Empire, they were used in the worship of false gods in Babylon. And to me, 
uh, I don't want to get into this a whole lot, but I think the things of God sometimes have been twisted around and taught wrong and mistranslated to the point that people have worshipped a false god. We thought we were worshipping God, but when you're worshipping a God that you think is vengeful and angry and going to judge people, then you're worshipping a false god because God told the children of Israel, he said, you worship, you, you offer tithe to me? You, you offer, you bring offerings to me? In other words, you think that's me? He said, all I want you to do is love me and love one another. And so he was pretty much saying, you're worshiping a false version of me. And so the things that God gave us for truth, religiosity has turned it around and produced a false God. And we've all been guilty of worshiping a false God, every one of us. So, but now, uh, the, like Cyrus, there's a people in the earth that are coming forth and declaring it's time to rebuild the temple. And who is the temple? We are. Paul said, know you not that you are the naos, you are the whole temple of God. We're not just the outer court, holy place, most holy place. We're, in the, we're the entire very temple of God. And Father wants to rebuild that in our understanding. We are that already. We're not trying to become something that we're not. We already are. God's not changing me. He's waking me up to who I already am. And that's one of Judy's songs that she wrote. And so uh, now they are returned to be used again in the admiration of our Father. And that's why we have many comforter teachers in the earth today. A lot of them I don't know yet, but I know I'm one. I know Kay Fairchild one, and I know many other ministers are comforter teachers who are explaining the same thing that Jesus taught to help build us up and build us up on our most holy faith. And your most holy faith is when you put your faith in the faith of the Father. And I've explained that if you haven't heard this before. Your faith doesn't matter. It's where you put your faith. We all have the same measure of faith, but we want to put our faith in the faith of the Father. And the Father has complete faith in us because he created us. So these vessels represent our capacity of appreciation. The ability to comprehend or measure our life that we can literally appreciate the fact that we are one with Father, we are holy, we are righteous, we're perfect, and everything that God created us to be. So the, the man who's getting pleasure out of the lust of the flesh is measuring up life in the wrong way. They're doing it by false gods and is using his God-given capacity, which is his vessel, in doing it. And that's why there's so much discord in the world today and so much things that we think are evil, and I'm going to talk about that in a little while, but that's because people are, are using who they are. They're using their talent. They're using their supernaturalness in carnal ways. And it's producing a lot of bad things in the earth. This type of person is getting experience and generating forces that, forces that will eventually he will have to master in order to be able to return to what they call the temple or to physical picture of Jerusalem. We've got to... You know, we talk about how we are made masters over the earth. That's what the word dominion means. We have mastership over the earth, but also the most important earth there is is this earth, this earthen vessel. And we've got to master this vessel. And the way we do that is we conform to the very image of our Father. We conform to the Word of God. We conform to the divine mind. We lean to the divine mind and we live as the Father. So nothing is the loss in the divine economy. God has not lost anything. What was lost was man's awareness. You know, Scripture says that Jesus came to save that which was lost. It does not say he came to save the lost. 
like people quote all the time. I've heard sermons where it said Jesus came to save the lost, but it says that which was lost, and that which was lost was man's awareness. And the word save means rescued. So Jesus came to rescue man from their false awareness. One of their awarenesses was their mistaken identity. They thought they were naked. They thought they were sinners, or we thought we were sinners saved by grace. Their awareness was on the law and all the, you know, the things of the world, and Jesus came to save us from that. So the man who's getting, uh, getting pleasure out of the lust of the flesh, it produces what? Death. And death is no knowledge of God, no intimacy, no knowledge of who they are whatsoever. So we're seeing this today in the religious systems and the political system, and we'll see it in the other three systems, the earth financial, medical, and social. We're seeing a great upheaval in all these systems. And I've been talking about this for many, many years. Some people call it prophecy. I don't say I'm a, I'm a prophet. What I do as a prophet is I, I explain the word of God. I explain the word of God. But I did not, I really did not understand how deep this falling of the systems earth would go. It's been, it's been pretty tough. <clears throat> so what happens when we enter into this season of refining? are conforming our thought to the true word of God, and we extract the goat, if you would, uh, we find that getting rid of all that dross is a hot work. Just like physically, when they extract gold out of all the other stuff, it has to heat it up and burn up everything away until nothing but pure gold is there. And it is hot work, and it is hard. It's, it's a uh, that's where the wailing and the gnashing of teeth are. I've talked to lots of people over the internet, and most of you know I don't mind calling you and visiting with you, but when I share a lot of truth, you can tell it's, it's tough and it hurts, but it's the living word of God that's burning all away that's not pure, the pure divine nature of who we really are, and that's in your awareness. And so when this happens, we must not diminish our faith in our Father. We must, we must not be discouraged, and I say today, we must not be discouraged in what's going on in the world. Disappointed? Yes, I'm very disappointed at what's happening. And it shouldn't be happening. But I'm telling you, the righteous will always prevail. And we must stay righteous-minded. So let's read this Cyrus's declaration. I'm going to give you just a minute. If, you, if you're using your Bible, turn to Ezra 1 through 3. 1 through 3. Actually, I'll give you about 10 seconds. <laughs> okay, so now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, and that's in chapter 29, 1 through 14. That's where it was prophesied. By the mouth might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing. Now, when it says stirred up the spirit, I mean, he still had, uh, Cyrus had the holy breath of God because there was only one life. But actually, he stirred up his conscious awareness. He, he, he spoke to his thoughts, and he began to stir him up. Then it says in verse 2, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. And again, I say, if Cyrus was alive today and Cyrus spoke those things right there, 
I would guarantee you the majority of Western evangelical Christianity would reject him and say, who do you think you are? Just like a leader today in the world has said that the Lord stirred him up to do what he's doing, a lot of Christianity has rejected our president, and a lot of other people have too. And then in verse 3, who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judea, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. So basically, he's saying, who are you? How many, is there anybody out there that realizes that God is still in you, that God is with you? God is for you, if you would? And that's what he was asking. So the significance of King Cyrus making this proclamation throughout all his kingdom, telling them that they're going to build the Lord's house, is, is really that the will and the ruling sense discerns truth, and it desires to be, to be in consciousness of truth. Whether you're a strong believer or a weak believer or not a believer at all, your will inside of you is crying out for truth. And that's why you're going to all the wrong places, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for truth in all the wrong places, because deep down inside of you, you really want truth. You may deny it, but I'm telling you, the real you wants to hear truth and understanding. And that truth comes from staying in contact with the divine mind, staying in contact with Father. And again, that's what Jesus did. So the mistake of most people is they seek and they ascertain and they desire to know truth in the wrong places and from the wrong people. And it can sound like truth when it's not truth whatsoever. I asked a gentleman yesterday that I love very much, and he feels like he's taught a lot that I'm teaching, and he knows the Bible very well, and he does. He can quote scripture right and left. He knows the addresses. I don't. I'm, I've never been able just to say it says this in this verse, but I know where it's at. I know what book it's in, and I can find it. But I just ask him, what you've got to ask yourself, and please don't answer it to me. You've got to answer if what you're teaching isn't working in people's lives. Is it causing them to conform to the divine mind? Is it causing them to realize who they really are? And when they realize that they, uh, their true identity, are all the symptoms beginning to leave? And if it's not, then it's not the true word of God. So I want to share an often quoted verse from the Apostle Paul's epistles to the believers at Rome. And then to us, <coughs> for, for us. And then write, and then, then talk about the word conformed. Most people major on the transformation, and they want it now, right? Give me transformation, give it to me now. Give me peace, give it to me now, whatever. I always say, give me patience, and I want it right now, <laughs> you know? So I want to talk about uh, the word conformed. And most people who teach this first, they do teach the transformation. Transformation is automatic. I don't have to do anything to become transformed to who I am, all I have to do is lean to the mind of God and listen to the voice of God with intelligence. So I'm going to read Romans 12:2 in the King James Version, and then I'm going to read it in my R.E. Richmond Tree of Life Bible translations. So Romans 12:2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing mind. Now they added in there of by the by the renewing of your mind. That doesn't belong there because that means that you have to do something. But it says, be transformed by the renewing mind, which is our divine mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect 
What, what does it say? Will of God. See, we have a will, but our will should be the will of God. Our will should be conformed to the, to the will of God. And we know the will of God. You don't have to, I've had a lot of people ask me, uh, would, you, would you pray for me or would you let me know what God's will is for me? We all, God has the same will for all of us, is to live in this earth, to enjoy this earth, to bless this earth, to bless one another, and to walk out of who we really are, to walk and live out of the heavenlies like the first race of man did before they started listening to the teachers of the knowledge of good and evil. That's God's will for you. Now, this is the trans my translation. Therefore, never conform to and live as those who live as mere human, but be transfigured by tuning into your renewing mind, which is your holy breath, that you might account yourself as and discern you being blameless, being well-pleasing, being complete as purposed by your Father from before the foundation of the world. So how do you tune into your renewing mind? Well, that's God. That's the voice of God. You, you begin to listen to Father. Uh, I always tell people, there's a radio station here in right just about a mile from us. It's called KLMA. It's an AM radio station. It used to broadcast all over the United States until a tornado blew their giant towers down. And it's playing in this house right now. There is music going on right now. If I could take a device called a radio and tune it in to KOMA, I'm going to hear it. If I'm able to tune myself, miraculously be able to tune my ears into KOMA, I will hear it. Well, much more than that, Father God is speaking all the time. His voice is eternal. His voice can be heard by everyone, but we must tune in. And today, we're tuning into a lot of things that are not God. And, and so we wonder, well, why isn't things working? Because we're not listening to Father and what Father has to say. And so Father wants us to understand that because he wants us to understand that we, we, there is no fault in us. There, God is, is pleased with us, and we are complete, and we are holy, and we are righteous. So there is but one presence, and there is but one power. Uh, Kay and I have taught on that for a long time. Father God is omnipotent, but we're in union with Father God. So man has the privilege and the freedom to use that power if he will. And some people don't even know that they're powerful. So when he or she misses it, which is the power of God, they bring about an inharmonious, uh, inharmonious conditions, and that's what we're seeing in the earth today and the systems because people are misusing their supernatural power that they have. And this is what's interesting. They are called evil by many people. I've been seeing a lot of posts and comments on the posts that I'm making, and people are saying they're evil, and they're, you know, there are all kinds of names about them, and you really shouldn't be doing that. But the truth is, I looked this up this morning. The, the Hebrew word for that, that they translated uh, evil is really bad. It's just bad. It's R-A or ra so it's people that are acting bad. Uh, there's another Hebrew word that means to spoil by breaking into pieces. So the first word is the character of the person, which is a false character, and the second word is the action of a person. So really, biblically, there's no such word as evil. And people use that to imply that there's some kind of entity out there that's causing people to do stuff. And, 
There's been no shortage of conversations that I've had with people will say, well, Roy, what do you mean there's no evil? You know, you sure there's not a, a devil or there's not a demon in that person making, do, making them do those things? No, there's not. There, there, there is just a choice. Of, they've been walking the wrong way. They've been living as, as man whose breath is in his nostril. They've been living out of a carnal mindset. And when you do that, you can act bad. One of the words that was used for devil is Damion, D-A-I-M-O-N, and they translated that as devil and, uh, in the Greek, and it literally it means a supernatural person with a bad character. That's all it means. And so everyone is supernatural, but because people don't lean to their divine mind, then they function out of a false, mistaken character, and yes, they can do bad things. And some things are really, really bad. Some things are just kind of a little bad, but regardless, it's not evil it's bad. And so people, uh, bad people and actions appear in the world because mankind is not really involved in spiritual understanding. And they and we have not learned yet totally how to conform to the divine mind. And when we conform to the divine mind, then all of our affairs come in line with what Father wants for us. So Jesus, in 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 51, you can see this, Jesus raised himself from the dead that the human-minded people did to him. Uh, human-minded people did that to him. Uh, again, I had a, a conversation with another gentleman, and he was just, you know, he was really struggling with me saying that it was not God that killed Jesus, and God didn't want Jesus. God didn't want Jesus to die. It was not Father's will for Jesus to die, but he allowed him to. Because he had told Abraham, you know, that I don't want you to sacrifice. And Abraham did not listen. He didn't listen with intelligence. He still went out and hunted a... God didn't provide him a ram stuck in a thicket. Abraham went and found one. And he brought him in sacrifice anyways because he didn't listen to Father. So when, when Father stopped him from killing his son because Abraham was used to that. People don't realize that. Abraham grew up in the Ur of Chaldees and that's where that, that God statue called Moloch, that's where they sacrificed their babies. So they were used to sacrificing their children. And any time that they were called to go up to a mountain to worship a, a god, a false god, they brought their children with them to sacrifice. So of course when they, he heard Father say, come up to the mountain and I'll tell you which mountain to send to, he immediately thought he was supposed to kill his son. And God wasn't asking for that. And that was a bad thing that he did. You know, so Jesus was showing us who we are. And Jesus allowed them to kill him. And then he raised himself from the dead and he showed us that he overcame death in the body and so can we. By sensory knowledge, man came to death, but by spiritual mindfulness, there's a resurrection from the dead. Where are we dead today? We're dead, most people are dead in the knowledge of God. Most people, because of that, then our body is cut off from the very life of God that can flow through us and literally quicken our mortal bodies. That's what Paul said, that it can, if we allow it to, to quicken our mortal bodies. So, century knowledge, man came death, spiritually, spiritually minded man comes life, come, uh, comes resurrection, and Jesus uh, exemplified resurrection life. And so physical death, I do not believe is necessary. I don't have to die to know God. I don't have to die to go to heaven. 
I live in the heavenlies right now. I am the heavenly because when you look at the word heaven, it says the abode of God. Where, where does God live? He lives in man. So scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 51, it said, we all shall not sleep, but we shall all be changed. We shall all be changed. Changed what? Changed from an immortal mindset to a mortal mindset. Immortal means liable to die, and that's where most people have been all of our lives. We're always worried about dying. So, the resurrection is not just for after we die. The, the resurrection is taking place right now. We are being resurrected by receiving the engrafted word of God, which, a, which is able to rescue our soul. We are a living soul. And the truth that's coming today is rescuing us from the lie, rescuing us from the real hindrance, not a devil, but the, the word devil and the other word for devil is traduce or hinder. And the, the religious system has traduced us. Uh, basically, all five systems of this earth have traduced us and we have worshiped a false god because those things have become god, uh, god to other people. So scripture says, who shall fashion anew the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory? It's Father. Father's doing that. He's, he's not making us new. He's, he's, he's bringing a, a freshening to us. He's removing that which makes us look old and feel old. He's removing that that causes disease in our body. He's, redoing, he's doing that by us leaning to the divine mind. So now is a time for resurrection, not in the future, not someday after we die, but now. Scripture says the hour cometh and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And that we need, so Jesus had a voice and literally it said the voice of sons of God because there are sons and daughters of God today that are functioning as the voice of God or the voice of one. And when we hear this truth, there is a resurrection that takes place in every one of us. So biblically with Father, again, death is a person who is living as naked, as carnal. We're not carnal. We're not naked. But many people have lived that way because they believed it in their mind. And that's because of a false perception of being separate from Father God. So the power of resurrection is staying in contact with the divine mind. Jesus said, I exist. He didn't say I am. Every place you see I am, it says I exist. Jesus said, I exist the resurrection and the life. He was here to show us something. He wasn't here to tell us what we needed to do become, to become. He came to tell us and show us who we are, not just him. And so this resurrection is not the future, but hath now been manifest. And that's what the Bible said. It was manifest in Jesus. It, began, it was manifest in Paul. And it was manifest in many other people after Jesus' resurrection. And also still continues today that this resurrected life is manifesting in people. We know, I believe, that Jesus was the great master teacher. He was the one that stayed in his original birth. He never left this awareness that he was in contact with Father God. Never. And I believe we are being restored back to our original birth state where we stay in contact with our Father. And so Jesus doing that, it abolished death. 
and it brought life and it brought immortality to light, to understanding. That's what light is. So Jesus would not have died as he, if he didn't allow them to kill him. He did not have to die, but he allowed himself because they wanted, they wanted somebody to punish. And that's why God said, I will provide myself the lamb. In other words, he was in Jesus allowing that to take place. And so he abolished it. And he showed us, he literally in the resurrection, he showed us how supernatural we are. But religiosity came along and they put Jesus up here. They put Mary up here. They put Joseph up here. They put God and they made Father God and, and Son, uh, excuse me, Father, the Holy Spirit and Son separate. And they made us down here. And the, I call it the dumbing down of man. But we're not going to believe that anymore. It's come to light and we know who we are. As Jesus was in the earth, so are we. And so is every person. So the resurrection is the lifting up of the whole man into the divine mind consciousness. And that's what's going on today. People who are listening, people who are studying, people who are listening to the voice of truth, literally they are being resurrected in their conscious awareness. And we're coming up higher and higher and higher. And if you're struggling, quit worrying about it. Just keep feeding. That's what our job is to do, is to feed on the living word. Not the written word, but the living word. And so the resurrection lifts up all the faculties of the mind that we've been teaching about. Everything that I'm showing you through these 12 apostles, what their name means, literally we are being, we've been lifting up in those faculties and they are being, they are being, if you would, they're being activated because we're allowing those things to be activated. And until they conform to the absolute idea of the divine mind, then there is a real struggle with the renewing mind, which is the divine mind, and people don't stay in contact. But we want the complete transformation, but it comes from the conforming. And my question is, is are you willing to be conformed? I am. I want to be conformed to who I am, not to who, I don't want to become like somebody else. I don't want to become like Jesus. I already am like Jesus. I already am like the Son of God. And you are already like, if you're a woman, you are a daughter of God. You are already that. And so the Greek word for renewing, it's interesting. I'll look it up today. I'm not going to pronounce it, but it's A-N-A-K-A-I-N-O-S-I-S. -S. And, and that gnosis part of it has to do with knowing, has to do with understanding. So it's not making something new, but it's a renovation process. My home here, it's 15, 16 years old. And when the time comes for things start looking old, I'm not going to build a brand new home. I'm not going to destroy this home and make a brand new home. I'm just going to renovate. I'm going to paint or I'm going to replace a piece of wood or whatever it is. It's called a renovation. And that's what's going on. There's a renovation taking place in our awareness. So what it is, it removes what hinders and it adds what's true in our awareness. That's the renovation process. Removing the lie removing the lie of religiosity, removing the mistaken identity, and, and, and filling us up with truth. And then I found another Greek word that also implies to freshen up. So we're, we're being freshened up. Religiosity made us stale, if you would. Religiosity made us moldy. Religiosity made us frown and not happy and, and bitter and judgmental. And this truth is freshening us up and bringing light and bringing joy and happiness to our life. And so 
the resurrection is an is a organic change, if you would. It changes the body. It takes place daily in everything, and everybody's that will conform their lives to this regenerating truth that Jesus revealed and taught, and that many are teaching today. It takes place here, and it takes place now as we conform our lives, conform our lives to the spiritual law under which it works. Nothing works unless it's spiritual. And it's a spiritual thing that we're after. So death does not change man. When I die, if I die, my body, if my body ceases to be able to hold me, I don't like to use the word death, but when, if my body ceases to be able to hold me, I'm not going to be anybody that I'm not right now. A lot of people think that we're going to have our glorified body and we're going to be, no, you're not. You're not going to be any, all that's going to happen is this mortal flesh that, that's always a liable to die mentality is going to be put off. But I still will function, and I still believe that we, we have a, a, a glorified body, if you would. And, you know, that would be another whole teaching there. But it doesn't change you. Death has no place in the absolute of who we are. And yet you go to funerals all the time, and you'll hear preachers talk about they're in a better place. You know, they shed off this body of sin, and, you know, now they're in on and on. Or if they didn't get saved, they're in a worse place or whatever. None of that's true. So this, this, this is the result of not knowing who we are, and there's no uplifting power when we think death has a power over us, and it does not. There's only one power, and that's Father God. And what is Father God? Father God is life. There is no death in Father whatsoever. When God imagined everything that we see from his mind and he projected it out, he did not, and I, I know I say he, but Father, Father did not have any death in mind whatsoever. Death came by man, right? Yet no knowledge of God came by man and all the consequences of that. Everyone who has reaped living with a mistaken identity really must be restored to his place in this race. That's what's going on today. The problems in the world is people still are living out of a mistaken identity and they're going to everything else for peace and for, for source to the point that people think that we're their source. And they try to bring us under to subservient obedience to them so they can get what they want out of us. And I'm telling you, if we realize that Father is our source, a lot of this greediness, all this greediness will stop. <clears throat> so everyone has reaped living that way, and they must be restored, that we will have a body through which to work out our salvation, if you would, our, our being rescued with the divine law of spirit and truth. So old, limited personal relationships don't continue in the resurrection. Old, limited ideas and beliefs, they don't continue in the resurrection. Those who have been raised into constant contact with Father, this uh, uh, Father's consciousness, it's a gradual growth. It doesn't happen instantly, but their growth and understanding makes it possible to let go of personal and selfish pride, uh, selfish things in relationships, and what happens, we enter into a larger love, if you would. A, uh, and we realize that love is universal. We believe that Father God is love, and we are love also. And that's where we do the will of God, and we live out of the will of God. And the divine law is fulfilled by this love. And the Bible says that they know you by what? They know you by your love. So I want to read some more from Paul's translation to the epistles, and it, this will be my translation. I mean, Paul's epistles is writing. 
in Romans 8.11. And again, if you're reading in the King James, it won't match up what I'm saying. So if you don't have Romans, <clears throat> I, I, again, I, my translation, I encourage you to, to order it. It's not that expensive. Uh, you can find it on my webpage, Dr. Roy E., as in edwardrichmond.com, and you'll see a link that says Purchase Books and order it. It takes about two weeks to get there. It's not a real large book, and it's easy to read. You can read what a lot of people have said about it, and uh, I think it'll help you a lot. And again, I'm shocked at how few people ordered it. I think there's only been about 10 ordered since I published it several months ago. I'm thinking people think it's just another commentary, but it's not. But it says here in uh, verse 11 of chapter 8, you also need to see that the holy breath of God and that's what spirit means. The holy breath of God in Jesus awakened and roused him from death, resides and is at rest in you. That same holy breath that Jesus lived out of and he raised himself from death resides and is at rest in you. You need to see that. Yes. The same breath aroused your teacher and rescuer from the death realm of man, also enlivens your body that was in all likelihood liable to die. Why would our body be liable to die? Because of our wrong mindsets, if you would. The reason this is true is that Father himself eternally dwells in you. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, the inference is we never owed a debt to Father. We never owed a debt to the Mosaic Law or any other due-to-be rules. We never had to appease Father by sacrificing and offering dead, bloody animals. And I'm telling you, that is so hard for people to believe. I, I talk to hundreds of people and they always say, how can that be true? How can that be true? And I say, because you're reading a King James version of the Bible and every other version came out of that, that was tra translated by the Catholic religion and the Church of England. And it was grossly mistranslated. It was translated from Latin to German and then to English to enforce the doctrine of penal substitution. If you believe in penal substitution, then you fall prey to the lie of religiosity. Verse 13. If your mind is full of the law, right there, if your mind is full of the law mm -hmm. and all it entails, you live as a dead man or woman. But if you live out of your holy breath, your true nature, character, and life, all these dead works which you did in the past of trying to peace Father will cease and you will experience being fully alive, whole, and well off. Verse 14. By the duplication of holy breath, the same holy breath that was in Jesus, which Father formed in us from the foundation of the world, we have the enablement to all be led by the voice of one within, because we are all sons and daughters of Father God. What was that duplication? Every man, woman, and girl that was born of a woman was born as God. Father God said in the beginning, I create create man, male and female, to recreate me. That's what it says in the Hebrew. So, verse 15, never again will we receive the mental disposition of slavery to do to, uh, to do be laws, due to be laws, that produce in us a lifetime of fear of Father Creator. And we can all attest to that. Contrary to that, take hold of your holy breath life and live in your rightful place as a son or daughter through the understanding and in the relationship of rest and oneness. We boldly say, Father is our Papa. Verse 16, for the voice of our Father himself bears witness in our thoughts that we are eternally his family. 
Therefore, we are sons and daughters of Father. We've got to, we are sons and daughters of Father. I'm not the spiritual son of Betty and Sam Richmond. I'm the biological son of Betty and Sam Richmond, but through them, the divine nature of God was imparted into me, and I am a son of God. Verse 17. Since Father has inspired that fact, that then all that Papa Father is, we are. And all that Papa Father has, we have. When we see to the full extent that we are just as Jesus was in his earth walk, when we see we are one, we live with the dignity in that position to which he has exalted us. We are the image of our Papa Father. And that's the Roy E. Richmond Tree of Life Bible Translation. Now I want to talk about fullness. I won't take a lot longer, but it doesn't matter. We, we've been feeding on a lot of stuff this week. It's time to feed on some truth here. You know, when I go and I order a large ice cream cone, everybody knows I love ice cream. And I don't eat it all the time. I act like I do, but I don't. But when I order a large ice cream cone, I want that cone full of ice cream. Don't you? You know, a lot of times I've gone and I've ordered a large ice cream cone and it's got a really big cone and there's about that much ice cream coming out of it. And I just, I, I literally say that is not full and I give it back to them. I've gone to Brahms a few times and I've asked for two dips of ice cream. And so I get one nice dip that you're supposed to have in it. And then I get about a tablespoon on top of it as the second dip. It's not full. And so we want fullness, don't we? And I, I, I don't know, but people have been satisfied with just a little bit of God. And what I mean by that, if God would just heal me, or if God would send me that perfect husband or perfect wife, or if God would, God would give me a raise, all the things that we could talk about, and we would be happy. No, you wouldn't. That's not fullness. Fullness is literally fully aware of who we are and realizing that we are, very, we are full of the life of God already. God needs to add no life to us whatsoever. We have all the life of God inside of us right now. The only thing that we're not full of, most of us, is the contact with Father, the contact with the divine mind, because the Bible says we have an unction of the Holy One, and I believe that's the divine mind, and we know all things. There's nothing that you don't know, but you haven't tapped into the knower inside of you. So I like numbers. I study numbers a lot. And the number representing fullness in the world, uh, which is a phenomena, really, uh, is seven. Seven always refers to the divine law of perfection. It uh, per, uh, refers to maturity. And it refers to divine intervention from the divine uh, for the divine natural man. And when did God's intervention take place? Did, it, did he intervene when you had a problem? You think he did, Donna? He didn't. His intervention was from the foundation of the world when he made us the way he wanted us to be. He created us and he put in us everything that pertains to spiritual life and physical life. And he gave us everything that pertains and it's all here and we already have it. So if you want intervention, you need to go back and see what Father decreed, or decided, declared, and decreed from the foundation of the world. So Adam, and Adam means it's not necessarily one man, it's the first race of man. The first race of man was a divinely natural man. Sometimes we talk about 
natural as though it's kernel or whatever. But it's natural for me to be supernatural. It's natural for me not to have cancer. It's natural for me to have no disease in me whatsoever. So literally when, when, when there's ministry going on and we cause people to build up their faith and they tap into the divine mind and receive a healing, it's not really a miracle, it's natural, right? And we've always called it a miracle, but it's the norm. And so this first race, this divinely natural man, they had conformed to the divine law. If they would have, they wouldn't have died. If they would have conformed to the divine law, they would have just naturally lived as the spiritual people that they are. And that's how easy it is for us, family. If we will conform to the divine law, if we will conform to what Jesus taught and Paul taught and John taught and have it explained to us properly, then we will naturally just live as spiritual. And the spiritual, 12 is the number for fulfillment instead of seven. So 12 is the number for fulfillment. And then I've liked it, I talk about the cherubim a lot. The cherubim in 1 Kings 8, 6 through 8, and everybody knows what they are, and they think that they're winged angels, and they're not. They're symbolic figures that represent the attributes and the majesty of God. They are people. And they stand for the unfettered truths of being who we are, which must always be present in our bodies as the holy of the holies within. We are the most holy place. In fact, as I said, we are the entire dwelling place of Father God. And also cherubim represent people of blessing. We're in this earth to bless people. How can you bless people? Well, you know, on a kind of a lower realm, we can bless them by giving things and doing things for them. You know, my neighbor, when it snowed last week, I, my dog started barking and I looked out the front and my neighbor and his son was out uh, shoveling all the snow away. They even cleaned my car off. And we looked out there and they even cleaned the snow off of baby Jesus and, and uh, Mary and Joseph. We have a real expensive uh, manger scene that we bought really cheap. <laughs> and uh, he cleaned all the snow off of that. So that was a blessing. But the blessing that the cherubim are is the blessing that they, they, they share truth. They teach truth. They gently try to wake people up to who they are. They lift their heads up and remind them that they are the very son and daughter of God. That's what a cherubim does. And so the cherubim here, they, they represent the attributes and the majesty of God. And again, they stand for the unfettered truths of being, which must always be present in us. We must know we in him, in Father, not in Jesus. In Father, we live and we move and we have our being. And to me, that means into Father. That means in, in staying in contact with Father God. If you're not in contact with your source, then you can't live and move and have your being, even though the source is always, always there. So if we do not have this higher realization before us constantly, then we drop down to the physical plane and our religion will become uh, our, a, a, a really strong display to us. And I like what somebody said on Facebook that responded to one of my posts. The political arena has become a religion. And I would say all five systems of the earth have become a religion. And I, I, I keep hearing this all the time, the gods of the world. The Bible talks about that. We have bowed down to the gods of the world. All of us have. We go to... The, uh, the, the financial industry for financial help. We go to the medical industry for medical help. 
We go to the political systems to supposedly help us in the world. They, they all hold themselves as, as our only source and our only help, and we have bowed down to the gods of this world, little g, if you would. And that's what the gods of this world is, not demons and devils, it's traducers and hinderers. That's what it really means. So if we don't have this higher realization, we, we do drop down, and we can drop down very easily, very quickly, because we, we see circumstances that's going on today, and it very much upsets us. And I know there's people saying, well, Roy, if you believe this, why are you putting these posts out there about the political things? Well, I still believe we need to stand up. This is our earth. This is where we live. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I, there's too many people that are being quiet, and that's why we're in the shape that we're in. We need to have a voice in the earth today. And so we're told here that cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark and they covered it and they had staves, yet they were not seen without there uh, unto this day. They were most holy place, if you would. And so to me, they were not and still are not seen by outer, outer court and holy place people. There's three, all through scripture we have... Uh, we have the Feast of the Lord, which is uh, Passover, Pentecost, and uh, Day of Atonement, or Tabernacle, excuse me. No, Day of Atonement. I may have missed up, mixed up. I haven't said them in a long time. We have virgins, concubines, and queens. We have a 50-fold. Uh, well, I haven't said these things for so long I can't memorize them all. Uh, Paul talks about little children, sons, and fathers. They're all through Scripture, and it's levels of maturity. It's levels of awareness. So outer court, people who are in the outer court are people who are just still into penal substitution. They still believe in sacrifices. They're always trying to please God, and it's a bloody thing, and it's a bloody work, and it's wailing and gnashing of teeth, and it's never been able to please God. Then the holy place is a place where most people in the charismatic world think that's when they got their gift of speaking in tongues. And they think that's when they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's not what it's about. It's about learning. It's an intense time of learning. Uh, uh, John said he was in the Spirit in the Lord's day. And he turned. Well, what he was doing, he was feeding on the table of showbread, which really speaks of feeding on the living word. And so if you're just stuck in those places there, you're never going to have a, what I call a most holy place awareness. And that's really, that's the flame of the sword. That's a divine, that's understanding the divine idea of the word of God. That's where literally, that's the only place there was a place to set and it's called the mercy seat. If it was a seat, then it means you can sit there and you sit there and you learn the most holy place truth. Huh? at rest and it's at rest you're not trying to work to please God and you're not struggling to try to learn anymore you have literally tapped into the divine mind of God so man unites with the inner living word at that time our sacred life when we realize we begin to function out of spiritual thought and where does father speak to you at he speaks to you in your thoughts through your thoughts when you're quiet you can hear father God and that's why many people when they're sleeping they hear Father speaking to them, and they hear great dreams, and they call them dreams, but it's actually God speaking to them. And so there's this spiritual thought that we, we gain that by meditation, 
You know, Scripture says to meditate on the word day and night. And I always add, the rest of the time, do what you want. And then in prayer. But prayer is conversation. Prayer is not asking Father God to do anything. And I've told you before, the word worship means ascertain and seek and desire to know. Well, my conversations with my Father is to ascertain and seek and desire to know. I want to know the truth. I'm not praying, asking God to do anything. I'm not praying for healing. I'm not praying for a miracle. I'm not praying. I'm asking God for wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Because when you function out of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, you're going to be one that can say, this is the way, walk you in it. And so the word is made flesh, if you would. The living word becomes part of who I am, or it's brought into manifestation. And that happens when we conform an idea to the ideas of the divine mind, which is Father God. Father God had an idea before the foundation of the world. He's, in his mind, he imaged the ideal man. He imaged ideas for the earth and what he wanted, and he projected it out, and it came down as spirit or as holy breath slowed down to visibility. And that's what we see today. So we are God's idea for what a man should be, and we want to conform to that. So that which is perfect thought, it conforms to perfect action. So when we function out of perfect thought, then our actions are not going to be bad. As I mentioned before, the word evil just means bad or doing bad things. So our, our will is going to be perfect and it's going to be holy. It's going to be pure and it's going to bring forth nothing but love. So the way of the tree of life, that's what we want. We want to live in the way of the tree of life. The word tree biblically means teachers. And we want to follow the way of teachers that teach life. And Jesus said it was a narrow path. And the reason he did that is because there's very few that want to teach truth. Because, and I don't say this mean, I don't want to be sound mean, but there's a lot of ministers out there that are not willing to teach the truth, to hear the truth, because they don't want to lose the crowds. And so they continue to compromise. And if you continue to compromise, you will never open yourself up to receiving the living word. And so it is the way of unfolding divine consciousness by realizing the divine nature of man. I see people doing things bad. I see a political party out there, and I see both of them. Both parties that we have in the United States of America are corrupt, and I see them doing bad, but their true nature is divine. They are supernatural, just as God created them to be, but they have not conformed to the, to the very divine mind of God, and they're not listening to truth. So through a knowledge of the truth of being man is restored to divine harmony then. Being a man, when I, mean, when I say man, I mean mankind. When we, we conform to the truth and we listen to the truth, then literally there's a divine harmony that begins to take place in our life. And so we can be in the midst of a world that seems to be on fire and seems to be burning down, and yet we can live in perfect harmony with our Father. But we don't do that and say, look at me, I'm better than you. We, we function out of that and we bless the earth and we try to help people and try to list them up because we're, we're not misled by appearances then. And there's a lot of appearances in the world that seem evil, and that's why people are using the word evil when it's not evil. It's just people are doing bad things. I was talking to Kay uh, Saturday, I think it was, or, or Friday, 
but just what is our part in this political situation going on in the world? And she agreed, you know, what I'm doing, it's, you know, I, I'm bold enough to do it. You know, some people aren't, but I'm speaking out. But we must let people know that what we're teaching is what's going to cause you to live out of the peace that's within inside of you. When you embrace these things and embrace these truths, and when I do too, I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be disturbed. I'm not going to uh, literally begin to fear something and allow that to come into my life. But I'm also going to stand up and be a voice for what's right. And so through a knowledge of the truth in every system of the earth and the truth of being man is restored to us. And again, that harmony will come to us. He must know the truth about himself, this kind of person. We must know the truth about ourselves or we can't teach truth to other people. And so people that are still condemning people and telling people that they're sinners and they're sinners saved by grace and they've got to please God, it's because they don't know the truth about themselves. They don't know who they are. And I would not listen to a person that doesn't know they're righteous and holy. If you've got a teacher that's still telling you that we're all just a bunch of sinners and we need to please God, then you're not listening to a person that has truth. Because truth will conform us to it, which is the divine mind. And all of Father's, all of Father's ways begin to transform our thinking. And again, we're not misled by appearances. So a real problem with mankind is in this intellect of man who seeks to conform to both spiritual and outer sense ideas of wisdom. We still are after the wisdom of the world. We listen to it and we listen to the wisdom of spiritual and it's mixed. And what does Paul say about that? It's leaven that leavens the whole person. A little bit of leaven. If you're not going all the way with Father and you're still uh, functioning out of the wisdom of the world too, that leavens the whole thing. And it hinders it. One more man, then I'll finish. It's an interesting name. It's Jehonathan. G-E-H-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. I'm sure it's pronounced different. But it, his name means whom Jehovah has given. Jehovah grants grace. The yielding of Yah, J-A-H, which is Jehovah. Whom Jehovah lets. Whom Jehovah hinders. And Jehovah donates. Those are interesting meanings there. So Jehonathan was one of the Levites, which Jehoshaphat, uh, uh, with Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and he sent him to all the cities of Judea to teach people about the book of the law. So in other words, he had understanding. And you can find him in Second uh, Chronicles 17.8. So the spiritual symbolism of Jehonathan was, was far as God is concerned, all that he is and has and all the attributes of Father's beings have already been given to man freely and fully. Everything. Jehovah has given. Jehovah grants grace. And the word grace literally means holy breath. Uh, the yielding of, uh, of, of God. In other words, we, we yield to Father God. And Father God lets us come out and be himself in the earth. And he, he, can, he hinders things from coming to our life. He he can drive away if we allow Father uh, to lean to the divine mind of God. There's no weapon formed against you can prosper if you would. And then the word donate, literally Father has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So all is ours to appropriate. All is ours to use as we conform to truth. Thus, that opens the way for fullness, if you would. And fullness in our daily experience. I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't... 
I got tired of revivals going to get filled up all the time. And then we'd go right back out in the world and get all down and all depressed and we needed another revival. I lived in that realm. I, I don't like that. Uh, it, it wasn't fun. We want an experience that becomes our reality. So Johanatham, whom Joth uh, uh, Jehovah is given, Jehovah grants spirit, yielding of, of jaw, whom jaw, uh, jaw hinders, Jehovah donates. It signifies the entrance into man's consciousness into his life and his affairs of either a limited or an unlimited measure of divine blessing. So literally, if you tap in the divine mind, you have unlimited blessing in your life, unlimited good. If you don't and you have mixture in the world, then you have limited. And I don't want to be limited by anything. Did we see Jesus limited by anything? Did we see Jesus hindered by anything? No, we didn't because he stayed in constant contact with Father God. So we want to be willing and we want to cooperate with the I exist inside of us. We can say like Jesus, I exist a son of God. I exist health. I exist holiness. I exist as the divine mind of God. And that is the indwelling of the divine mind or the contact with Father God. So Jehonathan helped to teach all these people to the cities of Judea, the book of the law of Jehovah. That's our job, family, is we are to teach the spiritual law or the word of God. And this means that the true light, the true understanding, penetrates every nerve of our thought center and the inner life consciousness that we have. And that's what Judea, uh, Judah means, it's the inner life consciousness. There's power to open up our thoughts within us. There's power, and this, this contact is the power to open us up to true knowledge of how divine principles work and how they're established in our consciousness. And that's where we want to be. I want my consciousness to be constantly dwelling on these things. Paul said, if there's anything worth thinking on, think on these things. And that's the living word. And that will help us and bring wholeness to every phase of our being, every part of our being. So in closing, to worship Father is to conform to an entirely new principle and teaching that most people have never heard. Uh, I, uh, I was sharing with a person yesterday about they needed to get the three, and I told them I would send it to them, the three-volume book on, uh, that we have on no penal substitution. And he said, well, I will pray about it. And I just thought, all right, you know. I, and I said, don't you trust me? I've known the person for a long, long time, and I love him, and I'm not talking about him. I just, I hear this all the time, but he still needs to pray about it. Well, you know, you don't need to pray about it. You need to listen to the voice of spirit. You know, uh, the voice of spirit wants you to hear truth. The voice of spirit wants you. There's people been praying for things for years, and nothing's happened because we don't have to ask for anything from Father God. We have the voice of God inside of us. What we need to do is listen and, and I told him, I said, you are being drawn to me for a reason. You have been for many, many years. It's time to let go of the old and embrace the truth. And, you know, and he's going to. And he already ordered some books and he's going to do that. But, <clears throat> okay. So by faith in what Father decided, decreed, and declared from the foundation world, my profession is, is I will daily conform to Father's will. And my question is, is will you? And that's what this chapter is about, is about our will. 
I don't want to have a strong will against God. I want to have a strong will and the power of his might. I want to have a strong will and understanding of who I am and then my will to be able to function out of the divine mind of Father. We are a people in this earth, and it's time for us to rise up. It's time for us to not fear. Yes, we need to speak the truth. We need to speak what's right. But we need to do it in love, and we need to stand for who we are. We are sons and daughters of God, and it's not the end of the world. We're going to come forth, and we're going to show forth the glory of our Father in this entire earth. And we just need to be willing so I hope this helps you a lot. I, in the time that we're going through, I, I think it gave me a lot of answers, and I think it'll give you a lot of answers. And uh, don't fear. You know who you are, and you know who your source is. So I love you very much. And Emily said, how do you spell that name again? Sounds close to Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah, it's spelled J-E-H-O-N-A-T-H-E-N. John, it's like Jonathan. Nathan, but it's not Jonathan. It's not Jonathan. It's another man. So, God bless you. We love you all. Uh, I believe Kay's teaching today. You might note it on there, Kay, so you didn't get to last week, and we missed you. So, we love you all. Bye-bye.